Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. My name is Jim Barclay, the pastor here, and we're going to share from the Word of God today. We're going to pray for you today. I pray today that whatever your prayer request is, if you would send it in to us on Facebook, our website, uh, we would pray for you. So send that in. We know that this message goes around the world, and uh, we have people watching, and I'm getting uh, emails from people from South America and all over, and uh, if you you guys from South, from Quito, Ecuador today are watching, we welcome you also. So it's exciting time. We're having lots of things going on. But, you know, obviously God seems to work in those times of crisis, doesn't he? Where our faith is challenged, our faith is tested, but we know that our faith stands firm because Jesus Christ is Lord and he strengthens us every step of the way. So I hope he's strengthened you this morning. You've come and Lord, we've come to hear a word from you and I believe God's going to speak. And so before we begin, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this wonderful day you've given us, the privilege of coming together in the name of Jesus. And we do ask today, Lord, that you would speak. We ask you, Lord, today to heal, ask that you would save and that you would deliver, that you would protect, that, Lord, you would feed us. And dear Lord, that as a result of all of this, that we would go forth into a world that needs to hear the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray today, Father, again, asking for your power in our lives to, to go forth and, and to share the word of God with other people. We pray, Father, today for those that are sick. We pray for healing. We pray, Lord, against this coronavirus. And pray, dear Lord, today that we would see that this uh, virus is going away. And Lord, that would be very soon. We pray, Father, Lord, for the disruption we see in this country. We pray, Lord, the love of Jesus would just in, in wrap around these people who are going through this time that they just don't know. Lord, they're, they're wandering, and we pray today that you would put, put them on a path of righteousness and, and that they would know your love and your goodness and your forgiveness and, Lord, your life that you give to all who will believe upon Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, for this nation for an awakening. We pray all around the world today as you move, Holy Spirit of God, that you would awaken hearts to the reality that there is a God. And dear God, today his name is Jesus. And we pray today that you would do mighty miracles in this place, those who are watching, and all over the world, dear God. Open the eyes of our hearts to truth the reality of your presence in our lives every moment of every day because you're here today. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. You're our teacher. You're our guide. You're our comforter. And we ask you to speak, Lord, and let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power to convict us, to guide us, to comfort us, to direct us, dear Lord, to correct us as we depend and trust in you. And we pray these things in the mighty and precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk about today is, is who do you say Jesus is? And you may say the question, well, Jim, I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I want to know him even more and so forth. But I do believe the importance when we look at the word of God is not just that we sort of give a wink and a nod to Jesus, but that a burning desire in our hearts to know him and to walk with him would certainly be manifested. And I believe that's what it is. We're living in perilous times. 
We're living in times where our faith will be challenged. And, and the Word of God is certainly comes and strengthens our faith as we've talked about over the last few weeks. And I believe that to be true for the Word this, this week because we need to know with certainty, who is Jesus Christ to you and to me? Who is He to the world? We've been talking about recently about that we're in preparation. We're being prepared, I think, for something much bigger. I don't believe it's just the sort of come to church and go through the, 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 the motions of, of our time together. It's very important. And you're here and y'all are listening today because I believe that God has given you an ear of, to be attuned to what God is saying to you today because you need to hear what God is saying. God, God speaks a better word. And I believe that we're being prepared to hear that word and to walk in his power. Last week, we talked about John the Baptist when he proclaimed that he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Remember when he said that? And we talked about that scripture about, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Revelation chapter 5, where, you know, they were around the throne there and John was getting a vision as he wrote the revelation that the Holy Spirit had had him to pen, and we read that today, and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us through that. And, and they were looking for someone to come and, and break the seal and open the scroll, and the elders are saying, we can't find anybody. And all of a sudden, the Lamb of God comes, and, and he says he is worthy to break the seal and to, to open the scroll. And uh, that's our Lamb of God. And our Lamb of God, His name is Jesus. And so as we think and reflect upon who He is in our life, and, and not only is He lamb, our Lamb of God, He's our Savior, He's our Lord, He is our all in all. And so as we read today, we're going to read from chapter 16 of Matthew, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 20. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. We had to come to that conclusion, that decision, of who do we say Jesus is? Who do we say? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responding and said, blessed are you. But he said, men did not reveal this to you, but only by my father in heaven is this revelation given. And that's true for our lives also. And so when we receive Christ, in one way or another, we receive a revelation that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. And yet we know that He is the Savior of the world and we could stop there. But He's so much more. He's our life. He's our light. He's, he's our all in all. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, 
and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And so we see here the proclamation of John's gospel, the real Jesus, the proclamation of, of the gospel of, of John as we speak these things. We see here in the scripture that Jesus is God. And a lot of people say, yes, he is the son of God. Yes, he is the son of God, but he is God. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Obviously, they're three in one. And so we see here, they're all here, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We know they're all God here. And he is the Son of God. And John's gospel is about a person who is fully man and fully God. Now, that's kind of hard to fully understand. And when Jesus walked on this earth, he did not tap into his deity. He was still fully God, but he did not tap into his deity. He actually operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you remember when he was baptized in the River Jordan, he actually was baptized with power. The Holy Spirit came into him. And the same with us. When we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes within us. And then we have the power to live the Christian life. We have the power to testify about our relationship with Jesus Christ and also to testify about what Jesus can do in your life also. We have the same Holy Spirit there. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit of God, God Himself, He raised Him from the dead. He lives within you and me. Isn't that good news? And so we can live the, the Christian life in victory. The Bible says that we're more than conquered through him who loved us. And so we can live the life here. And so that same Holy Spirit, Jesus is God. And that's the foundation of what we're going to talk about this morning here. And not Christianity, we know, is not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ here. It's about faith in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And certainly, as we see here in those opening, opening verses, John refers to Jesus as the word or the logos. And actually, in the Greek, that means the message or the communication. In other words, God was communicating through us through the word. He was the word in the beginning. He was there with the Father from eternity past. All three of them. Can you imagine? And think about it. You just reflect upon those things. The God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were all together in eternity past. They were all together there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is the Word. He is the message. He is the communication of what God communicates to us. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, one of my seminary professors said one time, he said, Jim, if you wonder what you can preach on, preach about Jesus. You can never get it wrong when you preach about Jesus. Isn't that true? Amen. You can never get it wrong when you preach about Jesus, always. And I can't get enough of Jesus. Amen. How about you? I can't get enough about when I got into this and I looked at that, God always speaks something to me, something new, not contrary to Scripture, but something new, he comes and speaks to me, and maybe he does the same with you. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe here. And so we live in a world 
It's always searching for the truth and, and yet never coming to the knowledge of that truth. You see, there are a lot of people today, as I've mentioned, that are searching for truth, but there are not many people who are proclaiming the truth. But the Apostle John, he proclaimed the truth. He was not politically correct. He didn't try to be. He proclaimed the truth that Jesus is God and Jesus is the Messiah of the world. And he didn't back down. He was very, very adamant. In other words, you can read the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can read that. And I want to tell you, just read that. And you can read it many, many times. And probably, and certainly God can speak to you many, many times through that, even after reading it once over and twice over and so forth. And so many people are searching for that truth. And we know that many of them, they are looking. And I believe that's true for what people do, are doing today. You see, there is a God-shaped void in the, in the life of every person, a God-shaped void. And the only person that can fill that void is Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that, that God set eternity in the man's of every heart. He sets eternity. In other words, that man somehow believes that this life is not the end. When we come to the end, and I don't care whether or not they're atheists or people saying I don't believe or not. You know, when I was a hospice, I met, I remember a gentleman that I met and <clears throat> he was on hospice, so he was terminally ill. And I'd ask him about his belief system, what he believed and so forth. And he, I remember him to this day. He said, Jim, I'm an atheist and all. And I was going, well, talk to me about that. You know, I wanted to get him to talk about it. And after talking to him, for a short time about it, I realized that probably he wasn't an atheist, that maybe he was agnostic. He didn't know completely what he believed, but he knew probably there was something beyond that because I asked him, I said, after when you die, do you believe that's the end? That's all you just sort of, uh, you know, you turn to dust in the ground and your casket and so forth and all. And he began to think about that. Most people were down deep. They, they believe something is out there. Something is going on. So God placed that in man's heart. And the only one that can fill that void is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there from the very beginning. And this is saying that Christ is eternal in His existence here. And what that means in the Greek word is the continuance here. Here, before the worlds were created, God is. There is the eternal past is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons here as we see. One God and three persons. In the beginning was the Word. We read these words, what comes to mind? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 here. In the beginning, God created. Remember, at the very beginning. You know, think about that. If you meditate upon that and think about that, God is. So what would you say? Well, God started this and God began His journey, say, four, 6,000 years ago and so forth. And that's not true. God was here from the very beginning. Our finite minds can't understand. And so when God says God is, He's always been here. But in the beginning, the Word of God, Jesus and the Spirit were with Him. And they created all things. At the right time, everything was put into existence. And so why doesn't God tell us about the dinosaurs and all these other things when you think about it today? Why doesn't the Bible tell us about that? You want to know why? Real simply, it's because we don't need to know. You have all you need to know as far as knowing how to come to salvation and Jesus Christ in this scripture right here. You don't need to know about that. He gives us what we need to know. 
And the Bible talked about in the book of John, he said, if all of Jesus' miracles were written down, he said the books, books couldn't hold it. And so Jesus did so many miracles that we know that the books wouldn't even hold it here today. He gives us what we need to know. And you go, I can't fathom this, Jim. You're talking about that Jesus was with God. Jesus is God, and, and Jesus with God at the very beginning. All three were having fellowship together in eternity past. At the right time that he wanted us. Obviously, you came into this world in the exact timing that God would want you to come into this world. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 says, he has a plan for you and me. We're not here by accident. We're not just here because of, of the relations between your mo mother and your father. We're here by God's divine plan and purpose. Amen. It's God Almighty working it out from eternity past. Now, it's, can you fathom that? I can't. I can't even really ga grasp that and get my heart wrapped around it because we know that obviously they, he had you and me in mind before even that time. He knew and he loves us so much. He sent Jesus, even knows there. He, he put Jesus in, on the cross, a perfect a sacrifice for our sins. We couldn't pay the price for penalty for our sins. And yet he sent the blemish, the unblemished Lamb of God into the world, the precious Lamb of God. And so we see here. You remember when the Pharisees were challenging Jesus about this, about Abraham? Well, we have a relationship with Abraham. Y'all know what the scriptures say about that and all. And remember what Jesus said, and they were asking him, who do you think you are here? And Jesus said this, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, you know they had to really stop and ponder that. Before Abraham, he says, was even born, I am. And he was telling them then that he was eternal. He's been here all the time. He loves us so much. God wants relationship with people. And at the right time, he put us here on this earth, obviously, to make a decision for him. And he was confronting the people here about this in Philippians chapter 2. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself and went to Calvary for you and me. Stepped down from his riches and glory. He didn't have to. He laid his life down voluntarily. The Bible says, Jesus said that. I lay it down. No man take my life. I lay down my life voluntarily. I came on my own because I want to redeem mankind. That's the greatest news the world will ever know. And we could preach it till, um, obviously, as the old expression is, till the cows come home. Amen? We could keep on talking about Jesus. Amen? I remember, and I use this story because I remember Cindy and I were looking for a church a particular time period of our life and we were, were looking at different churches and so forth because I believe God leads you to the church he wants you to be in. And we walked in and I remember the, on the backdrop there, there in big letters it said, Jesus is Lord. And I said, this is it. And I, God quickened my heart. This is that church we had. We needed to be here. Jesus is Lord. In other words, they revered the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to that manner. They put it up and proclaimed that. The Apostle Paul proclaimed that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of the world. He says, I want everybody to know. I want to explain it to you. I want everybody to know. I'm giving you enough to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you and I have to step out in faith and believe it. We have to be quickened in our spirit. It has to be revealed to our hearts by God Almighty the Father. 
And we had to receive that. We had to believe that many people reject that and say, no, there are many gods out there. There are many gods, and, and there are many, many ways to heaven, and that's a lie. The enemy has propagated. Jesus Christ is the only way. The Word of God has been true. The Word of God has passed the test of time over all the years. What happened back in, uh, in many years past, they've tried to burn the Bibles, they've tried to burn all of that stuff, tried to snuff it out, they've tried to remove it, just like today they're trying to remove history from our country and so forth and all. The same way, they've tried to remove it, and it has not. It stood firm, and you and I stand here proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. He is Lord over all here. And we look, and I want to just share, because I want to stop just for a moment, and I want to turn over to Joshua chapter 5, and I want uh, to read this scripture to you, because this is uh, talking about Jesus being there from eternity past, okay? And this is Joshua, remember? They crossed there the Jordan. They were going in, and God was going to give them Jericho, remember? They marched around the wall seven times and God was telling them to shout and, 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 and blow the trumpets and so forth and, and the walls of Jericho would come down, a miracle, amen, just like in the Red Sea when the Red Sea parted and the Israelites walked there all the way over the cross and then when Pharaoh and his army went and got in, in the, uh, the, the middle of the, the water there, the waters came over them and they were drowned and so forth. The miracles that God has, the Old Testament is just awesome, I love it. And uh, when we look at this about Jesus being there from eternity past, this is from Joshua chapter 5 and verses 13 through 15. I'll read it. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And he said, The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. The commander of the Lord's army, it was Jesus. It was actually what's called a Christology of Jesus. Uh, there's a theopony, and then there's a Christopony that is about Jesus. It was there. Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, was the one that stood before Jesus. That was Jesus that was there standing before Joshua. He was the commander of the Lord's army. And so Joshua says, are you for us? Because he came out of nowhere. He says, are you for us? Are you against us? And what did Joshua say? Neither. Neither one. I mean, what did Jesus say? Neither one. He said, basically, he said, I'm here to take over. You know, it's about me. I'm here to take over. You know, have you ever had that happen in your life? You're struggling. Because, see, Joshua was trying to figure out, what are we going to do here? I know that we're supposed to, to capture this, this city called Jericho, but look at these walls. Look at these obstacles in front of us. Look at the circumstances in front of us. It looks totally impossible. And so it could be said that, that the weight of the world was on Joshua's shoulders and he's struggling, he's praying, I'm sure, and asking God. All of a sudden, here Jesus, a, a theopony or a Christopony of who God was, Jesus from eternity past, he was there. He, he appeared all of a sudden. And remember Joshua said, you for us or against us? I'm sure it probably startled him. Like, where'd you come from? You know, what are you doing? You for us or against us here? Because I'm looking for help. Uh, and, and if you're against us here, I'm in trouble because I can tell something supernatural is happening here. Okay, but remember Jesus said, neither, neither one. I'm here. I'm the one. 
Don't you, don't you love it when God does that in your life? You know, sometimes you're just struggling with something and you're asking God, please help me out of this situation that I'm in. Please obviously come and, and do this or that or whatever. And it seems like a long time coming and you're struggling with it and you're walking like that. All of a sudden here, boom. And it's like God just comes on the scene. God touches us. God speaks to you. God gives direction. God gives peace in the midst of the storm. God does that all the time. He does that. Obviously, God wants us to know that, his presence in our lives. Jesus was there with God. He is God. From the very beginning of time, think about it here. You know, see, as a man, Jesus submitted himself to the Father and relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit. As a man, he did not assert his deity, but he never, never, never stopped being God. He was still God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Christ enjoys face-to-face communion with the, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. You think about, what were they talking about from eternity past? You ever thought about that? What were they communicating about? What was that, you know? Were they talking about you and me? Yes, they were. Isn't that great? I mean, he knows everybody. The Bible says he knows every hair on our heads, so he knows everything about you and about me. Was he talking about us, you know, this time when Jim Barcliff was going to be born on this earth and so forth? He had a plan. I started out doing this and that, and yet God kind of corralled me there and got him, and I realized the calling on my life to share the word of God to share the gospel and so forth. The same with you. You don't have to be a preacher. There's a call upon your life and my life. And it's just as important as the call that's on my life today. You have influence out in the community that I don't have. And so he was talking about George. He was talking about Alice. He was talking about Daryl and Debbie and Tom and Kathy. He was talking about all of us. He was talking about us, wasn't he? At the right time when we would come on this earth. And you know, what was God saying? If you th- think about it, if you could just imagine, he goes, I got great plans for Jim. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans uh, not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. I got plans for all of you. Isn't that great? Wasn't he talking about you and me? I know he was. He knew us. He's got a plan for us. He knows us. And he's got a plan, a perfect plan, a beautiful plan, a plan to make us more like Jesus, a plan that at the right time to carry us home, to be in heaven with him, to live eternity with with him. He wants us to be with him so, so much that he came down from earth, his riches, and he went to Calvary to die on a tree, to be nailed to a cross there. I can't imagine the physical pain that he uh, experienced, but I can't, exper- can't even imagine the emotional pain that he experienced in the rejection of the world. Many people reject him, and many people reject him today. You see, I, I, I know he's, he was there communing with the Father here. They were talking here. The Word was with God in perfect fellowship on an equal plane with God Almighty. You see, the Word was God. Christ is God. He is the creator. It says through him, in verse 3, all things were made. Christ is creator. Think about it. He spoke and the worlds came into existence. He says that he holds the whole, everything together. We're all spinning exactly the right uh, distance away from the sun to where we don't burn up or we don't freeze together. He's holding it all together. It's all spinning exactly the way he does. He names every, every star. He, he knows every star in the sky. He knows every planet that he's placed there. All things were created by him, everything. And nothing that was created was created apart from him. Amen. You think about it today. 
if you look at uh, that fetus, when you look at a baby being formed in, in its mother's womb, how the miracle there, and that baby begins to grow. That's a miracle that happens there in the life. And, and again, what happens today in the abortion factory is that they abort the babies out and, and so forth. And that is against God's will to sin against him to take a life like that because it's a precious baby. And it takes place at the time of conception. At the time of conception. He created a baby. He created us. We're here today. And God's got a plan for us. He created all things. And without him, nothing, not one thing, was made that has been made. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our image. And the three persons of the Trinity, Trinity were at work in creation. All of them were talking. Let's make Jim the way he is. Look at him. You know, you think that somehow you're kind of different looking than anybody else. Well, I've always thought that. But God made me the way I am, so that settles it, okay? He made me and he made you the way you are. He gave me the quirky personality like I have, okay? Now, obviously, uh, some of the things I don't want to uh, push off on him and so forth, but all these things he created, and nothing that was created was created apart from him. He is the creator, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. He is the creator here. But also, Christ is a source of life and light here. Life is in the Son. In John 5, verse 26, Jesus said, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. The only life you and I have, whether it's in the natural life or our spiritual life, we receive from God. We are not a source of that life, but life is inherent in the nature of God. And the Son has life in himself. He does not have to get it from anyone else. It is a part of who he is as God. He gives it to us. Remember when he created and took the dust up and, and he breathed into Adam. He breathed, a breath of life came into him. Many people today, they are breathing, obviously, the oxygen and the air, but they're spiritually dead. They've never had the Holy Spirit of God come and breathe life into them to where they're spiritually made alive. They're walking dead men and walking dead women because they've never received Jesus Christ into their life. And Jesus Christ is our source of light and life today. We don't walk in darkness, church. We walk in the light as He is in the light and we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. Hallelujah. In 1 John chapter 1. See? You walk in that light every day. You know, you think sometimes that you don't know where to go. You think sometimes, am I stumbling through darkness and am I grappling with that and so forth? And yet, we have a shepherd. His name is Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside still waters and he restoreth my soul. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, we think we're in darkness. We're, we're light because Jesus is in us. The Holy Spirit of God, he gives us light. He's our life and he's our light here. And the only life that we have whether or not the natural life or the spiritual life comes from Him. No one else can claim it. It doesn't come because obviously we try to get a little bit better. It comes by humbling ourselves and recognizing a need that we need Jesus in our life. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God. You see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 14, verse 6, I'm the way, 
the truth and the life, you know. Amen. In Proverbs 8, we can see Christ's wisdom. In John 1, 1, again, we see him as the Logos, the Word. In John 14, 6, we see him as the truth. And obviously, all of these are consistent. In Colossians chapter 2, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge here. And verse 4, and that light was the light of men here. The life that is in Jesus is the illumination we all need. In him, you see, we have understanding. You see, if God had not revealed himself to you and me, if God had not illumined himself to you and me or the word of God to you and me, we would not be illumined. It all comes from him, church. It all comes. That's why we praise him. That's why we worship him. That's why we give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will according to Christ Jesus, obviously. It's his will. That's why we can thank him and praise him. You see, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John wrote later on, he who has the son has life and he who does not have the son of God does not have life. Let me say that again. He who has the son has life, but he who does not have the son of God does not have life. If you're saved here today, or you're saved watching this on live streaming, you're saved today, you have life today, if you have the Son. But if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. You're dead spiritually. And God wants to make you alive again by coming into your life and you being born again by the Spirit of God. You know, Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. It's only happening as the Spirit of God comes in and awakens our spirit, makes our spirit alive, obviously. And he's the only one that can do that. Without Jesus in our life, you're not alive. You're dead spiritually. And one day, the physical death, you'll find that out. But to this day, you're spiritually dead. You see, everybody wants life. Everybody wants life. And everybody wants eternal life, you think about it here. But it's not something we can have independent of the Son of God. Most people would say, I'm going to heaven. People that I saw, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in hospice, most people would say, I'm a Christian. And I'd say, well, why? Do you, are you connected with church anywhere? No. I said, well, the church doesn't save you. But I said, what's your relationship with Jesus? Well, I just believe everybody's going to heaven. I believe that obviously, you know, I haven't done many bad things. I haven't even murdered anybody. I haven't done this or that and, and so forth. So I believe that I, I, I've, I've done good things. I gave down here to the, 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 the funds and so forth. I gave over here and all that and, and all that. And I said, you don't have life. You need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus Christ to come in your life and save you. He's the only way. If you have the son, you have life. If you don't have the son, you don't have life according to the word of God. You see, Jesus, only one light, just one light, not Hindu, Hindu or Muslim or any of those others. There's only one light. His name is Jesus Christ here. So John's made five assertions here. First, his eternal existence in the beginning was the word. His face-to-face -face communication with the Father and the word was with God. They were having communication. The third is a direct statement of his deity and the word was God. Jesus is God. And then fourth, his capacity as creator. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then the fifth assertion is he is the source of life and life. In him was life and that life was the light of men. So why does John open this book that way? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Why? It's because obviously this is primarily what he wants to say. He wants to go ahead and nail it down right to the very beginning. He nails it, doesn't he? The beginning 
that he says that. So he's made a proclamation. But the purpose we see here of John's gospel here in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He's saying here, I want you to know foundationally. You see, I can mess a lot of doctrines up, which doctrines basically are human opinions, basically, in a way. Okay, I can get a lot of doctrines wrong, right and still go to heaven. But if I get the doctrine and the belief that obviously Jesus is not my Savior or not the Lord of the world and so forth, the Messiah then obviously I don't go to heaven if I don't get that one right. And John wanted everyone to get that right. He's stressing it through the whole book of John. Many times when people come to Christ or people are searching, and I notice that, and they'll ask, Jim, I've got a Bible. What book in the Bible? Where do I begin? Do you know many times I'll tell them, start at the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Sometimes people will say Mark, start in Mark. But the Gospel of John is a good place to start. Read the Gospel of John. It's very important. Get that right about Jesus being Lord here. So what is John's purpose? First of all, is that we do know who Jesus Christ is. The book is about Jesus Christ here. Think about it in the Bible. In a broader sense, what is the purpose of the Bible? It is a revelation of redemption. Read the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. Obviously, it points forward to the cross obviously, or, and, and the New Testament points back to Calvary, to the cross here. Read the Old Testament. It's, it's just, you ask God to speak to you. It's got just, I mean, full revelation of God as far as revelation of redemption, redeeming, which means buying back from slavery. You and I were in slavery. And when you accepted Christ in your life, he bought you back from slavery of sin. He paid the price, and he's the only one that can pay that price, certainly here. We see here... Um, so why doesn't, again, the Bible tell us more about heaven and hell? There's a lot. In fact, the Bible actually speaks more of hell than it does heaven. Do I know that, actually? But why doesn't it speak, again, more about heaven and hell? It's because, obviously, to do its purpose, it tells us all we need to know to get right with God. It gives us all the information that we need to get right with God. God will speak to us, not contrary to his word, but God will speak if you open your heart to him. He wants to speak. He wants a loving relationship with you and me. And he'll do that if we open our heart here. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand, you know, and that. And, you know, I won't understand that to the fullest. Why Jesus came? Why this? And when I know the Old Testament sacrifices, and, and I know without the shedding of blood, there can be no redemption of sin. It's spoken of in the book of Hebrews. I know that, that he had to shed his blood for you and me and for the world. I know all that. But the fullness of knowing that, I won't know until I get to heaven. But won't it be glorious when you see him face to face? Won't that be the most wonderful time you've ever had before? That's why we always need to be encouraged and look up and be watchful for our redemption is drawing near. We need to be watchful. And look, look up with one hand on the plow and one eye looking up towards heaven because he could come back at any moment, you see. That's why it's important to know that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Never look away. Never be distracted by the things of this world because this world can pull us aside. The things of this world, the devil can pull us aside. You know, um, a lot of times when you have particular issues in life, whether or not it be health or whether or not it be other issues, financial issues or 
or whatever it may be. Sometimes it appears to me, you know, I get distracted by those things. I get distracted and be drawn away by that. I don't know about you, but I'll get distracted. And then I'll come back to the Lord and I'll go, Lord, I've been distracted from you. I've gotten my focus off of you and I've gotten focus upon maybe my issues of life or problems or circumstances, whatever they may be. And I don't want that. One day that's going to be taken care of because we're going to be in the glory of God forever and ever and ever and ever throughout all eternity. You see, you think about this Messiah here talking about our Redeemer, the anointed one. To reject Jesus as the Christ is to reject, reject Jesus for who he is. And that's what Israel did. They said, no, he's not our Messiah. You see, God came to those that obviously it was for God's plan to come and many Jews came to the Lord. And I want to uh, tell you today, many Jews are coming to Jesus today and they obviously are Messianic Jews. Many Jews are coming to Jesus today. They realized and, and they've uh, asked Jesus to come in their life. But most of Israel rejected him and they're still looking for the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. He stood right there in front of them. Remember when John looked around and he said, but there's one that's right here among you that I'm not worthy to... Un to untie his sandals and so forth and all to touch his sandals at all. And Jesus was standing right in his midst, in their midst. He, the son of God was standing right in their midst and, and their eyes were so shut, their hearts were so hard, they rejected him. And maybe that could be true for us today. Is it sometimes Jesus is right there wanting to help us and sometimes we say, Lord, I don't want that kind of help because I want you to answer my prayers this way and you're answering them this way. Isn't that the way it is sometimes? You don't always answer the way I want, Lord. So, you know, Jesus said, obviously don't fall away because of sometimes I do things that you don't understand. But in the life of a believer, can't we trust him with our life? If we can't trust him with our life, how are we going to trust him with our salvation? And that's the point, the whole matter. We trust him for our salvation. Can't we trust him to take care of us financially and take care of us as far as health-wise, as far as our jobs are concerned, with our families concerned? Don't you know he wants to hear your prayers more than you want to pray or I want to pray? He wants us to reach out to him more than obviously anything we would ever want to reach out to him. He's there with his arms open wide. He's that way. You see, but a lot of people say, I'll come to Jesus my way. You know, I'll, I'll kind of, because I still want to give up my good time or whatever you may be doing or these sins that are out there or whatever. And God's saying, I'll help you with that. Just come, just come. I want you, I love you. And I'll help you. I'll give you grace to be able to overcome those, those bondages, those, those places that you're in captivity. God said, just come. Come as you are, remember? You know, Billy Graham always preached, and when he did at the end, you know, just as I am, oh, him, just as I am, come just as you are, no matter what's happening. He says, there's no, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He said, just come. I want to deliver you. I want you. I just want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. And God is there, and he's revealing himself is right there. And sometimes we don't notice him. Sometimes we don't see him. You see, he is the Christ. He is the, the risen one. It was Paul's message, but also it was John's message. But our message should always be Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. That's it, isn't it? Jesus Christ and him crucified here. Remember, when some of them said, when John... Some of them said, well, who, you, who are you? And they said, well, you're John the Baptist. And some will say you're Elijah. And some say Jeremiah and so forth and all. And, and who do you say I am? That's the question we all have to answer. Who do you say I am? Is he your all in all? Or is he just something, a religious type of object? 
that we've got, you know. He's not there, and somehow we, we uh, place him over here, and when we need him, we call upon him. No, he wants a relationship with us. And when you're saved, somehow there's an urging in you and me that we want that relationship with him also. And it is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong pursuit. Amen. It's a lifelong thing that's there. You know, Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's what we've got to do. Come to that place. We say, get it down deep in our heart that it will burn in our hearts today. Don't give him a wink and a nod. Let him burn it down deep in our hearts that he is the Messiah. He's our Lord. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And proclaim that truth to the nations today because people need to hear it. People in this community and all over this city and all over this country, all over this world. He need, we need to hear it. You say, why is John so dogmatic about it, all this stuff? Because our very eternity depends upon it. It is the truth where your eternity and where you're going to go and spend eternity and where I'm going to go and spend eternity, it all depends upon who you say Jesus Christ is. Is he your personal Lord and Savior or is he just a good teacher or maybe a prophet that went through and he was someone who, who went and thought he was a lunatic out there and so forth. No, he is Christ, the son of the living God and I proclaim him and I preach him and I teach him throughout eternity. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's see. John 10, 33 is said to him, obviously, because Jesus said <clears throat> he was God. And the Pharisees, we're not stoning you because obviously of many of these things. He said, but we're stoning you for blasphemy because you're saying that you are God and you're a man. And that's the reason why they did that, see. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that pe people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says that he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make the cho choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. We have the choice of whether or not we call him Lord, you see. We've got to accept Jesus on his terms. Accept him, obey him. And once you accept him, your life changes. Things are not the same. They'll never be the same because you can't live like you used to, you know. It may be that some of those old patterns are still there, but God begins to clean you up. God begins to do it as you yield your life to him. And the life of a believer is a life of surrender every day. Every day is a life of, of surrender. In John 20, verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, he's saying here, people... Uh, what do you believe? Whom do you believe? Many people say, well, I believe. I believe. Believe what? I believe. I don't know whether y'all seen it or not, but in a lot of decorations in homes now, there are these plaques, and it says believe. That word is all over the place. Why? Well, I ask you, believe in what? 
What does that believe mean? I love it and I think it's pretty, but doesn't it point to Jesus? Believe in what? Okay. They're all over the place. Just believe. People just say, I believe, I believe. Well, I believe about anything, you know. You can believe about anything, but it's what you believe is what's important to him, who he is here, because we've got to come to that conclusion, you know. And John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you know everybody says, I'm a, they're all children of God. No, they're not. Not until you're saved. Obviously, God's got a plan for you, but you see his plan is that you'll come and repent and ask Jesus Christ in your life. But everybody says, everybody's children of God. And see, that's been so much spoken of and so broadly broadcasted that everybody just believes, oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. You know, God is, you know, he, he wants to make me happy and all this and so forth and all. And they have no idea who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is God. And he requires we come and submit to him. He is Lord. And once you accept him in your life, then obviously that lordship comes along with it too. You could say kind of it's a package deal, right? It's together. You want him Lord of your life. I don't want to keep running my life. I've messed it up bad enough. I need him. I don't know about y'all, but I need him, don't you? The second, but then believing in the right way and the right thing that we would have eternal life. Believing here. Not just that I guess so or maybe so, but that I know so. All right, we'll wind down here. James tells us in uh, James 2.18, show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. In other words, what we do, it shows that we are Christian. We don't work to get be saved. It's by grace through faith in Jesus alone that we're saved. But we work and serve the Lord because we are saved. Because we want other people to know the good news. Amen. And then in... Uh, Acts chapter 16. Remember the story of the Philippian uh, jailer when uh, they were in that nasty jail? Sure, dirt floor, rats, everything else was in there. And uh, the earthquake came and the jail uh, doors opened up, remember? And they were singing. Paul and Silas were singing to the Lord, praising him and all that stuff in the most dire of circumstances. And remember the doors opened up. And remember what the, uh, the Philippian jailer said? He said this, what must I do? to be saved. And remember what they answered. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. You and your family. Believe that. Pray that. Continue to, to grab a hold of that because many of us may have family members that are not saved. Believe. I look at this and say, Lord, you said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your whole household. Pray for them. Everybody has to make a decision. I know that. But pray for them. Don't give up praying for those family members who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's most important here. I know this scripture came to me um, right before I, I came down here and I wanted to, to read it. Second Timothy chapter 1, 1, verse 12. Listen to what he says here. He said, this is why I'm suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. For I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to secure me and take me into eternity when that time comes. 
We have to come to that conclusion, church. Because I believe in the last days as we are in, certainly, that there'll be obviously some testing. There'll be some real things that, that will come up that's going to test our faith to say, do you believe this or you don't? And by believing upon him and, and standing with him and knowing that he's going to take you through the fire, he'll take you through the flood, he will go with you no matter what you're going through in life. Jesus will go with you because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He was with God from the very beginning. He is God. He said, I will never, ever, ever forsake you. And that's the word of God. But we've got to believe. I know whom I believe. And I am convinced that he is able to keep me until that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, today. Jesus is Lord. And I pray today, Lord, that you would come, you'd be Lord over my life. That you would come and be Lord over the life of every person in this church and in the, every church today that's meeting and those that are not meeting. I pray you'd be Lord over those who are watching this on live stream. I pray, dear God, come and do that. And Lord, we just offer our lives to you today that if there be any area in our life that we have not surrendered to you today, we will surrender to you. We pray that you would be forever praised and, and glorified and magnified. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I pray for those watching and those here today that if you've never bowed your heart or bowed your knee saying Jesus is the Lord of my life that today would be the day that you do that. You would know that you know that you did know just like the Apostle Paul when he wrote I am persuaded and I believe and I'm convinced that I am being held by the Lord right now. And dear God, today I pray you would come and touch people all over this country and all over this world. And dear God, that many would make Jesus Lord of their lives. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The sweetest name that I know. And I pray today, Father, you would do a work in our lives again that we will return to the foundation of our faith. And that is truly that Jesus is Lord, and we love you, Father, and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for watching today. Thank all of you. We're glad you're here, and God bless you, and pray that you'll have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Amen.